Rory Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Realizing that oh. Davison had to get to his pit box. Very, very lucky for those crew guys. <laughs> I'm joined this afternoon by Jack Harvey. Jack, first off, man, thanks for joining. How's it feel to be just right on the cusp of the season starting? Well, thanks for having me uh, today, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I think we're all just so excited, you know, obviously for the season to be starting. There's so much, not necessarily like uncertainty around, you know, COVID anymore and things like that. There still is a lot of it. But I think getting back to the track, that's our normal, you know, just being able to go racing, uh, you know, schedule still a little different than perhaps what a lot of people have, you know, tra uh, traditionally and typically been used to. But, um, you know, you've basically taken all the drivers, a lot of so many of the crew members and basically put them back in their natural habitat, which has been at a racetrack again, you know, so we're all super happy and excited, you know, that we're even getting to go to, uh, you know, Barber to start with. And then obviously it's an incredibly busy patch, uh, you know, all the way up to the 500, basically. So, um, you know, I was chatting to my girlfriend and I said, well, I hope you had fun with being at home because I'm about to be traveling a lot. Uh, so it's uh, it's just mega, mate, that we're actually getting able to uh, to do this. Yeah, so between now and the end of May, you essentially have five races and everything that goes along with the 500. So you're definitely sure. starting with, you know, starting starting fast or is that kind of preferable to where in most years you kind of you, you know you have St. Pete and then a couple week delay and then Barber then a week or so off and then May really get started is it is it better just to kind of dive right into it almost you know head first I mean I like that you know I, I certainly like uh, when the schedule is you know very uh, um, not necessarily like abrupt but just very you know, we're here, like, let's just do it. Let's, uh, you know, just fish, bash, bosh. Um, you know, I always really do enjoy the schedule when it's one race and a straight away another race. Uh, you probably, I don't, I don't know if you could go all season that way. I mean, certainly, <laughs> you know, post Indy, everyone's going to be ready for a break. And, you know, again, like I say to a lot of people, I think, I think drivers get the, uh, the, the best, uh, part of the schedule obviously um, you know but it's it's such a team sport and I think people forget about that that really you know post Indy 500 you know the guys in the pit stops you know everyone who has to deal with all of our travel all of our media and all those uh, kind of people they also need a break you know so uh, I love it you know I love the intensity of it I love it when it's just like you know where's the next race where's it coming from when's it going to be you know etc but um i totally understand that the schedule can be pretty intense there for a lot of people yeah, the the having a week off after indy now granted i don't know how much traveling we're going to be allowed to do this year as media but it is ha having that extra week off i will appreciate just just from having you know having a weekend where i where I can just relax a little bit. But on that note, the road course weekends this year are are a little different. You know, you you just have Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday morning slash early afternoon, you've got two kind of shorter practices. 
which is still an improvement on, on last year where it was the weekends were super condensed and almost no practice. How do you approach a weekend where you have two practices and a qualifying session in one day? Do you focus more on the racing side of things? Do you focus, do you split practices between, okay, one practice, we're going to worry about qualifying the other where we're going to about the race. How do you, how do you kind of strategize going into a weekend like this? Uh, I I don't know why. Maybe it's me, but I I felt like at some events last year we still had two practice sessions. Uh, at least maybe the practices were a little bit longer. Like it was like it felt like a one long session. Uh, maybe. Um, I I would say off the out of the box. I mean, the first thing you have to qualify well. You know, like yeah. that's probably going to be our main focus on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously we have the warm up Sunday. You know, which no doubt was when we're going to shift back to our race car. But um, the the thing about IndyCar races, it can so flip on its head so quickly with a yellow flag, and you know, you could qualify awesomely, have a great first half of the race something happen and turn your day upside down but at least at that point you know if it's out of your control that's one thing when you have a bad qualifying you really really are putting a lot of eggs in everything's just going to work itself out well in come race time which you know of course could happen uh, equally could not so i would say to the guys you know we focus on qualifying first and in the nicest possible way you just i think on the day you have to focus on what is the biggest thing we're doing that day? Saturday, it's qualifying race at Sunday. Um, is it the right approach? I mean, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find <laughs> out here soon. But um, I don't, I don't think it would be sensible to spend our limited time on Saturday worrying about the race car when we've still got qualifying to do. Yeah, it makes sense. So looking, looking at the season as a whole, you, you've got a, a teammate this year, or at least a handful of races in Elio Castro Neves and. Being able to partner with Elio, I'm sure, has already helped in in testing so far. So, what's it been like working with him in in the preseason, and and how how valuable is his experience to you know not only your continued growth but the the team's growth as a whole? Oh, Elio has been it's been awesome. Um, you know, I think there was some obvious signs straight away in the. Uh, Drives the car, I would say, much differently on the oval, at least the Indy than, than I have, uh, and what it appeared to be compared to some of the Andretti drivers, he drives it pretty differently. But, um, you know, not better or worse, just just different, you know, and clearly sure. that's one of the best things about having someone like Elio is, you know, he's going to go down a uh, you know particular path or avenue, and I hope throughout the month we get to, uh, you know, try it out, you know, and he's clearly extremely extremely talented racing driver you know he certainly doesn't need me to introduce him to a crowd of uh, people and his racing accomplishments <laughs> um you know but he's he's so charismatic and open and he just has so much experience where you know i think that people forget you know elio is you know he's such a nice guy you know he is charismatic but he's also pretty no nonsense when it when the time comes you know very specific very uh, detail oriented you know, really understands the feeling that he wants, uh, you know, from the car. And I think before, uh, you know, I've been asked this question a million times in the off season, but what he brings to the team isn't just, you know, 
advice to me, but it's also advice to the team, you know, and like what they could be doing better sometimes, or, you know, Hey, I understand you guys are doing it that way. Have you considered, you know, considered X and it's not again to turn around and say like, Oh, um, you know, you're doing it wrong or, you know, someone's doing anything wrong. It's just more about, have you considered a different viewpoint on this? And I think that's one of the things that's been so awesome you know, with Elio so far is he, he just has that experience to be able to ask, I guess, um, you know, or inquire about something just in the nicest, uh, the nicest way. Now, have, have you guys traded maybe your baking advice for his hair advice? Because, you know, he's, he's a little bit older than, well, than both of us and he's still got a full head of hair and you've got baking skills. If, have you traded any off the track secrets? Uh, not yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, <laughs> I'm very proud of my hair game. You know, normally I feel like uh, I rock a pretty good hair game myself. Um, his is or his is impeccable. Like even when he pulls right. his helmet off, I'm like, that's what I probably need some uh, some help with. But if, if I was asking Elio for help on something right now, I probably would be asking if he could. Uh, teach me a move or two you know i'm not a strong <laughs> i'm not a strong dancer and i think elio is uh rather strong so yeah, uh, i don't yeah, know how be, he does that that'd be what i'd be asking yeah dan- dancing is def- definitely not my strong suit but i won't bore the listeners complaining about my my lack of rhythm so you've got <laughs> back to 17 races as of now obviously you know things maybe still are kind of in in the air for a few places but you're going to tracks like nashville and back out to california and laguna and and long beach is there a track that wasn't on the schedule last year and we can include nashville in this discussion that you're looking forward to getting back Mm -hmm. on the track at um i mean i think everyone's so excited about nashville yeah Uh, you know, my, my parents are going to try and make it out to Nashville, which will be the first time they've left the UK, you know, in over a year at that point. <clears throat> uh, I think everyone just, I've actually never been there. I've never even been to Nashville. And every time <laughs> you ask somebody a question, no matter what it is, is that it's just such a fun, vibrant, you know, place. And they're the sort of place I feel like IndyCar should be racing because although I know very little about Nashville as a city, I also understand it on a, you know, just a, a broader scale, you know, and the country music there and the food there and just how fun it is. And that's from a guy who's never even been. You ask someone, they always talk about like what a good time it is. And it's like the place that creates its own amazing atmosphere and energy because people only have nice things to say about it so i mean everybody's super excited to go to nashville i have heard that toronto is a bit up in the air yeah. you know as to whether we'll get there or not um i saw there was a, a plan you know my, my i hope the plan isn't just to have a, a double header you know but if that's what it means then obviously we'll already be at the tracks and ready to go and you know throwing an extra race is uh, you know a lot of work for the guys but you know obviously we want to do a 17 race schedule uh if there was a track that we isn't on the schedule that i'd love to see him add i'd love to go back to watkins Glen. you know i think that would be really cool i'd love to go back to kota 
um, you know, and see if we can figure out something there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think again, the, the overwhelming feeling at Maya Shang Racing is just one that wherever there's a race, we're going to be there and we're going to be excited to be there. We're going to give it 110. Agreed all around. I think you and I were talking about this last year. Nashville is one of those places that it could be 10 in, 10 in the morning or 10 at night, and there are just as many people out and about on the street having a good time. So hopefully I'm, I get to be there this year, and hopefully the schedule is, is relatively stable. But you mentioned something about double headers. Are you not a, a big fan of double headers just because of the amount of work it, it, it creates for the, the team in a very condensed window of time? Uh, no, mate, I like them. Okay. I mean, again, <laughs> I, I, I like that kind of weekend, you know, where you just arrive, qualify, race, you know, warm-up race. Uh, you know, I like that. Um, I would say the negative about them is, you know, when I do think about the team and the impact it has uh, on them, uh, that, that's probably more of where my concern comes on double header weekends. But uh, personally, I really enjoy them. I just I don't know if I don't know if the the pit crew guys, you know, and all the mechanics super enjoy them. So uh, I, I guess it's a super tough because selfishly, I think they're you know better value for everybody. But you know that better value does come at a, a cost, and that cost is just it's an intense amount of work. Yeah, definitely, definitely understand that. All right, we'll wrap it up with uh, one or two more questions here. We've got, at this point, just a couple more days to go to Barber. I believe you got some preseason testing in there, correct? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. We went to the test at the in November okay. when, when everybody kind of was there. So um, yeah, it was um, the test went very well. You know, okay, we, we were really happy with how we unloaded. Obviously, we haven't been back there since. So hoping that the car we unloaded with at that test is going to be good, you know, in about six days' time from now. So, uh, 
yeah, I mean, Bob is such a great track. You know, it's it's probably the one I've been through the most throughout Indy Lights as well. Um, we just want to go and have a great weekend, mate. Yeah, so I'm glad the test went, glad glad to hear the test went well. You, you definitely answered my question there. And and what's the key to a successful barber weekend? Because it is such a unique track and one of one of the coolest tracks, in my opinion, on the on the schedule. How do you how do you roll off mm. and just immediately have a successful weekend there? Huh. Uh, well, I guess I'll tell you that on Monday. Um, <laughs> I think so far the the thing that we're going to have to do, you know, as far as we're concerned, is see how the track evolves throughout Saturday. Uh, you know, from the morning, you know, to the afternoon is going to be, uh, you know, very important. And again, you know, I think as we as we progress through, uh, you know, through Saturday, making good changes just to maybe, you know, tickle the balance so that we're come qualifying, we're in the a really good place just to try and extract as much lap time from the red tires as possible. I think then after that, you know, the the pit stop windows at Baba, you know, open some uh, realm for um, some different strategies. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I thought maybe we could have, uh, you know, two stops to, uh, you know, a slightly better result than what it looked like we may have got. And, um, to be able to do that, you have to be able to look after the tyres very well. So, you know, in, in, in one breath, I was just saying how important qualifying is and really extracting and maximising <laughs> the most of what's available in Barber. And the other side, you've got to be able to figure out how you're going to save the tyre to last as long as possible. You know, so um, I think that in itself is what makes Barber so challenging. And I mean, I know you can always say that about a lot of tracks, you know, well, sure. you know, it's a bit of this and it's a bit of that. And, you know, they won't come that little bit of this and a little bit of that and normally like poles apart, um, you know, so not trying to have a cop-out answer, but I think whenever you see a race that could go either way on, uh, you know, strategy, whether it's a for sure three-stop, whether it's a two-stopper, tire life is going to be really important if you're sat on the side of uh, trying to go long. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome place. You know, I, I love it when you can go there you know, and you see all the fans on the, you know, and all the banking, all the grass and, the, you know, some of the grandstands there. And it's just an incredible place. You know, it's like one of the ones where, you know, for new fans or something like that, I'm like, if you can get to Barber, I know it's a drive from Indy, you know, but if you can get to Barber, like, you really should do it, you know, just as a, a pure, you know, pure race fan or whatever. And just for be there for the enjoyment of, of watching cars go around on track, I think it's pretty mega. Agreed. There's there's so many cool viewpoints there. There's there's a ton to do in between sessions, and obviously, the on track activity there is is so much fun. There's there's just so many different areas you can walk around and and hang out and watch racing. It's definitely recommended out there for those who maybe aren't going this year, but considering it in the future, I would also highly recommend it. But Jack, we'll we'll wrap it up there. I I definitely appreciate the time this afternoon and. Best of luck this weekend and, and best of luck this year, man. Hopefully at some point uh, more media will be allowed and uh, I'll, I'll catch you at a racetrack. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much and, and have a good afternoon. Yeah, you too, buddy. Cheers. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. 
Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 